0: Men, it's an irrefutable fact. The evidence is overwhelming. The statements, compelling. God has called us to be holy. In giving advice to men like us, young and old, Peter says in his first letter, 1 Peter chapter 1, Therefore, preparing your minds for action... of his letter Peter makes it unequivocally clear that we are that our salvation that we are saved as a result of God's grace and God's mercy and God's sovereignty not of our own doing he miraculously gave sinners new life and just a few verses before this command is given in 1 Peter Chapter 1, verse 13. Just a few verses before that, Peter says, according to his great mercy, God has caused us, God has caused us to be born again to a a living hope uh, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Uh, Into an inheritance, he says, that's imperishable. It's not going anywhere. It's being kept in heaven for you. So, so for 12 verses, 12 verses in First Peter chapter 1, Peter gives no commands, no admonitions, no exhortations, doesn't lay the law down. For the first 12 verses, he just celebrates God and blesses God, the one who elects us and regenerates us and, and saves us and, and, and preserves us. He just celebrates God for 12 verses. And then all of a sudden in verse 13, it's like, wham, here comes the first command that's based on all of this wonderful truth and this glorious truth about the mercy and grace of God. He comes to this first commandment, set your hope fully on the grace of God. Because all of that is true and because God is who He, who he said He is, we can set our hope fully on the grace of God. Keep, your, keep yourself mentally fit keep, and, and morally sober to fight the good fight of hope. Do everything you can to keep yourself in the love of God. I mean, God loves you. We, 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 we throw that truth around so, so easily and so quickly. And it's so true. But we need to do everything we can to keep ourselves in the love of God. Whatever it takes, Lord. I'm just going gonna, gonna to stay right here. Settled in your love. And then in verses 15 and 16, we see this second command... Uh, let's have the next slide. There it is. First Peter one verses fifteen and sixteen. Let's read it out loud together. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, since it is written, "You shall be holy, for I am holy." And we go. Wow. We're supposed to be holy. Like, Jesus is holy? What's that about? It's, it's kind of a scary thought, to, to be honest with you. I, I like what John Piper says about this. He says, sometimes when we wrestle with biblical realities, like, like holiness and hope, we, we miss the forest for the trees. He says, Christian living is, is permeated by God. God in the morning... God at midday, God in the evening, God as motive, God as guide, God as moral standard, God as hope, God as comfort, God as strength, God as joy. I mean, the Christian life is permeated with God, or so it should be. What emerges from 1 Peter and, and the whole New Testament is that the Christian life is a life lived in God, quite simply. Ever aware of God. Ever submitted to God. Ever hoping in God. Ever trusting in God. Ever believing in God. Because you see, man, God Himself is the source of hope. Right? God Himself is the source of grace. God Himself is the standard of holiness. So your holiness and mine flows from the cross of Jesus Christ and the price that Jesus paid to purchase us from the dominion of darkness. So your holiness and your whole life really flows from the cross. If you've trusted in Christ and His finished work on the cross, then you're born again to this living hope and freed from sin's dominion. Praise God. And, and that reality... The fact that I experience the new birth by grace and the fact that I'm freed from sin's dominion actually creates a longing and a desire in my heart for prolonged obedience. Obedience for a long direction. Because I I have this longing to be holy. I have this longing to live in holiness because the one I follow is holy. My master is holy. My Jesus is holy, and I want to be like him, so I pursue that holiness based on the grace and the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Does that make sense? There are no exceptions to this call, men. It's a call to holiness and it's a call for all men. It's not just for pastors and missionaries and elders and definitely not just for men with beards. (laughs) It's for everyone. So, uh, Christian lawyers should be holy. Christian millwrights, holy. Christian musicians, holy. Christian doctors, holy, Christian salesmen, holy, Christian teachers, holy. We're called to be holy, and there's no exception. But practically speaking, it ain't easy. Have you noticed that? It's not easy to live a holy life. Why is that? Well, I I believe part of the problem is uh, temptation with a capital T. Temptation just keeps getting in the way of holiness. You know, temp- temptation and the work and the power of the enemy. He works against us. He works against every man who wants to be holy. He, he works against all of that desire with all he's got. He puts all five stones in the sl- slingshot at once and bam, 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 bam. He hits you wherever he can. First Peter 5, 8. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. That's just what he does. He's a defeated foe, we know that, and he knows that too, but he's just going to suck as many people down with him as as he can, on his way down. On his way out, he's going to take out as many people as he can. And any man that determines, you know, in his heart that he wants to be like Jesus and live like Jesus and be holy like Jesus is going to be a sure target. He wants to destroy us. And if the devil wants to launch one of his flaming missiles at us toward an area that will have the greatest impact, I think there are four big targets, four big ones that he will go after. Fortune, fame, power, and pleasure. There are other snags and other pitfalls, of course. Internet, pornography, but I think that's tied into pleasure, right? So we can talk about a lot of things that we, we get snagged up on, or pitfalls or potholes in the, in the, in the path of holiness, but, but, but many of them will fit under one of these four big categories. So let's have a look at each one. Fortune. Fortune is the, is the first major target of temptation. It, it's, it's all about money. It's, a, it's stuff that has a price tag material goods, tangible things, and behind all of that is this, this insatiable desire to own stuff, to get more, to own it, to have it, to possess it, to amass wealth, to get rich, and if we can't, then at least look rich. <laughs> Put on the airs that you've got money. It's the temptation to impress other people, I guess. It's the temptation to want more, more, always more. And enough is never enough. And there are, there are men in the room tonight who struggle with that. I mean, just odds are, there are some of us, that's, that's a big temptation for us. 1 Timothy 6.6 6 tells us that godliness with contentment is great gain. But when we yield to the seductiveness of fortune, then, then contentment is, is really, it's out of the picture. Enough is never enough when the goal is always more. If the goal is always more, you'll never have enough. You'll be chasing uh, the almighty dollar till the day you die. In Luke chapter 12, verse 15, Jesus said, Take care. Be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Now, is it wrong or is it immoral for men to uh, uh, have things and enjoy nice things or even amass a degree of wealth? No. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with owning a boat. Nothing wrong with buying a new car. But it is destructive when money and possessions control a man's life and a man's mind. When that's all you think about, is, is getting more, buying more, buying up, trading in, getting bigger, getting better. If that's all you think about, you've got a problem, a major problem with this temptation. It's wrong when the pursuit of fortune. The pursuit of fortune trumps a, a, a life-giving, joy-producing, hope-inducing life with Jesus. Then it's wrong. You can't be greedy and holy at the same time. You just can't. They, 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 they don't go together. It's, a, it's impossible to be greedy and be holy at the same time. and since you have already been set apart men since since you've already been set apart in Christ by grace then just walk in that freedom i don't need all this other stuff i don't need fame i got jesus he's all i need fame is the second major target of temptation it's the it's the second big one i think it's the push to be popular One author describes it like this. He says it's the hunger to be known, to make a name for oneself. It includes jockeying for the top spot, shaking the right hands, patting the right backs, being in the right spots, manipulating and maneuvering. We're so good at that. All the while, there's the unspoken preoccupation with a hidden egocentric agenda. Get your name up there in the lights. The insecurity this reveals is somewhere between pathetic and nauseating. And Jesus comes along in the midst of all that and says, Hey, you want to be famous? Come on, you guys want to be famous? You want to be famous? Most men do. You want to be famous? Okay, then listen to this. The greatest among you shall be your servant. What? What? The greatest among you shall be your servant. That's what it says. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled. Whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Things are upside down in the kingdom. You know, the way up is down. The way to get rich is to give it all away. Come on. And so the famous ones in God's kingdom are the ones who serve. So serve. You want to be famous? I do. We all have a bit of that desire. That temptation to be famous is is there for many of us. But Jesus says, you want to be great? Serve. Be a servant. So so let's serve. Let's serve our wives. Let's serve our kids. Let's serve our our families. Let's serve our employers and be the very best employee they got in the name of Jesus. And and let's, let's serve like Jesus served. Serve your pastor, you guys from Trenton, Michigan. Serve your pastor. Serve your church. Get involved. Serve, serve, serve. Serve your brains out. Serve like Jesus sir. Who, by the way, came to serve, not to be served. Power is the next major target of temptation, and it can be a major enemy <laughs> of personal holiness. Power. There's a really shocking story in the book of Acts where a guy by the name of Simon actually tries to buy power. He actually tries to buy the power of God. He's really quite enamored. It says, when Simon saw that the Spirit was given through the laying on of the apostles' hands, he he offered the money. He's trying to buy the power of the Holy Spirit, (laughs) saying, give me this power so that anyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. I'd like to have that power. But Peter said to him, may your silver perish with you, Simon, because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. You have neither part nor lot in this matter, for your heart is not right before God. See, Canadian guys would never say that. Because Canadians, we're just, we're, we're the politest people on the planet. Oh, I'm sorry. You know, we bump into a poll. Oh, I'm sorry. You know. that's, that's kind of what, that's, isn't that right, guys? It's like, I'm sorry. It just comes out of our mouths so, and we're just so nice. We'd, we'd never say that to somebody, especially when they're recording it. Like, this is, this is recorded for centuries. People are reading what, what Peter said. He didn't say it in a very Canadian, uh, politically correct fashion. Uh, did he say, But Peter said to him, oh, well, Simon, may your your silver perish with you. um, Because, you know, you thought you could obtain the gift of God. I don't think that's how he said it. I don't think that's how he said it. Your heart is not right before God, Simon. Get behind me. I'm not sure why Simon wanted to buy that power. I don't know what he wanted to do with it. Well, he said he wanted to lay his hands on people, so there it's in the text, but there there had to be something deeper. We know there was. (laughs) It's called sin with a capital S. That's what was behind it. So I don't understand exactly why he wanted to buy that power, but I do understand the temptation. I like power. In a lot of different forms. My wife won't let me buy another motorcycle, but I keep dreaming about that. I like power. I like power. I, I enjoy power. I like to be able to control my circumstances and my situations. That's not possible for anybody who doesn't have power, so you've got to have power to do that. But I also understand the dangers that accompany power. And usually men who seek power want to control others. They want to rule over others. They want to take charge and they want to make sure that it's done their way. They manipulate and they maneuver to be in a position of authority so they can hold others in check and make sure everything is done according to them. They want power, ultimate power. And that, that's really a dangerous attitude. It's dangerous at work, especially if you're not the boss. <laughs> it's dangerous in the church because it just it wrecks havoc. It splits churches and wrecks things. It's, it's certainly not very healthy at home. I told you to... Wife, I told you to do that. You didn't do that. Good luck. Good luck. Don't know where you'll be eating in the next few days, or where you'll be sleeping, or... Yeah, never mind. <laughs> that dangerous attitude. Man, listen, all the power... Here's the thing. All the power that we need... All the power that we need, if we're believers in Jesus, all the power that we need, all the power that we will ever want, and more than we'll ever use, we already have. We already have that. Have a look at Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, Jesus according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. What power is he talking about? The power that is already at work in us. What power is he talking about? He's talking about the resurrection power of Jesus that is already at work in us. This is a benediction. He's, you know, expressing praise and glory. Now to him who's able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think. And how does he do that? According to the power at work in us. It's already at work in us. The resurrection of power of Jesus is already at work in us. So, enjoy it. Walk in it. Receive it. You know, <laughs> Manifest it. It's already yours. It's already ours. We already have that. There's no greater power available on the planet... Then the resurrection, of power, uh, resurrection power of Jesus at work in us. And you need that for work, you need that for home, you need that for church, you need that to raise your kids. You need that, and you've got it. So walk in it. And the last, the fourth target of temptation, the big one, is pleasure. Perhaps our most vulnerable point of temptation as men is pleasure. This represents the desire to be sensually satisfied no matter what the cost. And it may be as harmless as hockey night in Canada or it may be as destructive as pornography and adultery. But the attitude that says I want what I want when I want it Is dangerous. The attitude that says, I'm gonna I'm gonna have my needs fulfilled. I I need that. That's how God has wired me up. I'm a man. That's a dangerous attitude. The attitude that says, My desires are screaming for gratification. My wife will understand it, and so will God. I'm going to do this, is dangerous. We may never come out and say it quite that boldly, but it's with that level of intensity that sensual pleasure is pursued by a lot of guys. I once had a fellow working with me, a fellow pastor, who lost his ministry and he lost his wife and he hasn't had contact with his children in over 20 years because of pleasure hundreds and hundreds of visits to pornographic websites on the church computer. So we you know we rationalize around scripture, we lower our standards of morality, we ignore the promptings of our conscience and and, 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 and we convince ourselves that it's not it's not only desirable, but it's necessary for us to to, to fulfill our pleasurable desires because we 're men that's just that's just that 's just you 're playing with fire there. nothing could be further from the truth. you see Jesus willingly went to the cross, he suffered and died in our place so that he alone could be our fulfillment, so that he could so that he could set us free from this Domain of darkness that says, I'm going to have my cake and eat it too. He did all of that so that we could experience the power of the gospel of grace that breaks the stronghold of pleasure. So if you've been crucified with Christ, if you've been born again by the Spirit of God, if you are a follower of Jesus, then Christ lives in you. And like Paul says, the, the life that we now live in the body, we live by faith in the Son of God who loved us and gave Himself for us. Paul did not say that the life we now live in the flesh, we live by by struggling and, and, and wrestling and, and fighting and maneuvering and coming up with all kinds of gimmicks to fight this stuff. No. He says the life we now live in the flesh we live by what by faith in the son of god who loved me and 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 gave himself for me so moral renovation that interior transformation whereby we are increasingly changed to become more like jesus and less like what we once were it all flows from the grace of jesus christ demonstrated on the cross and the indwelling Holy Spirit so the promises of God in Christ Jesus are always yes but Satan must continually hear our no when it comes to temptation and the the power of the no is rooted in the yes of the promises of God, do you get that? That's, where, that's, that's how Satan is defeated. That's how the devil's power is just sucked out of the room is because all of the promises in Jesus are yes. Is his grace available to us? Yes. Is his power at work within us? Yes. Will he give us the ability to say no when we need to? Yes. Is there any temptation that, that's common to me that is uncommon to everybody else? No! <laughs> so, no, Satan, no! This is not my own. Every man in this room experiences the same forms, the same kinds, the same general types of temptation. And so, in the power of the Spirit, I say, no, Satan, no! Yes, all the promises of God in Christ Jesus are yes! But, Satan, you're gonna hear my continual, repeated no, 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 no to fame. No to fortune, no to pleasure, and no to power. I resist all of those major targets of temptation in the name of Jesus because the power that is at work in me, which flows from the cross and the indwelling Holy Spirit, is enough. That's all I need. I don't need the gimmicks, I don't need the prayer cloth from Jerusalem. For nine hundred and ninety nine dollars plus shipping and handling i don 't need that. All I need is Jesus, and I got that, so i 'm good. This is not something that I can manufacture or maneuver or create or fabricate or manu- or put together assembly required. no. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. 1 Corinthians 6.19 Don't you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You're not your own. You're bought with a price to glorify God in your body. It's just that simple. The transformation into holiness is another act of God's grace that just flows from the cross and the indwelling Spirit of Jesus. And Paul affirmed that in his letter to the Thessalonians and he says to us tonight 1 Thess 5:23 Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit and your whole soul and your whole body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ Is that possible? Absolutely. Jesus doesn't dangle carrots and then when we go to grab it, pull it away. Ha ha ha, tricked you. No. It's the God of peace who sanctifies and that's where the emphasis is in the verse. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you. He's the one who sets us apart. He's the one who sanctifies us. He's the one who makes us holy, not our good works. Not the length of my devotional time in the morning. Not the consistency of my journaling, not the number of times per month that I go to church, not the percentage of my giving in the offering. So let's come to the God of peace tonight and acknowledge, to say, Lord, <laughs> you're the only one who can give me the power to say no to temptation. And since the power of the resurrection is already at work in us, I already have the power that I need to say no. It's already a done deal. As we face the temptations that come day by day, with Jesus leading the way, let's set our hope fully, fully, on the grace of God that is in Christ Jesus. Fortune, fame, power, pleasure. Those are the biggies when it comes to temptation. By resisting each out in the open, we cultivate character deep down inside. Say no. Say no. And grow in holiness. Let's pray. Dear Father, we pray that you would deliver us, deliver us, Lord, from the desire for fortune and fame and power and pleasure. Deliver us from evil, Lord, and teach us how to appropriate the victory of the cross and the grace-filled holiness of Jesus. Lord, we plead the mighty Name of Jesus Christ over our personal lives, over our wives, our our children, our families, our grandkids. We pray for the ministry of our respective churches tonight. We pray for First Pres. We pray for the gathering. Other churches that are represented here tonight, Lakeshore. Lord, we pray for the leaders of each church. Father, we hold the name of our Lord Jesus Christ over your church tonight.